This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Corona gets it back from McKayev ahead to Hughes. Now drop pass to Patterson into the Nashville zone. Shoots. He scores. Saucer pass to the right circle for Patterson. Fake the one time. Patterson shoots. Scores. Patterson has his second of the night and fourth of the season. This one on the power play. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Bovillier's onto it. It's a two-on-one. Bovillier for Patterson with the empty net and the hat-trick goal. The hats are flying on a Halloween night inside Rogers Arena. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win yet again. Now picked up points in five straight games. Not at their best tonight, but they have superstars like Elias Patterson, and they do what superstars do, and that is win you games even when you're not at your best. A hat trick for the Canucks youngster. And now is just tallying goals on the season. And the Canucks, they have their sixth win. Yes, their sixth win. Their sixth two and one on the season. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks defeat the Nashville Predators 5-2 with Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We're going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment's time. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. And, Randy, I mean, it wasn't the Canucks' best game. They did not start this game off very well, but they got some timely goals from star players, and no player was better than Elias Patterson in terms of generating scoring chances for this Canucks team tonight. Whether it was on the power play, we saw that goal from the right-hand side, or it was four-on-four, a little bit more open ice, he takes advantage. You know, the empty net goal, it's nice to see him get one, especially after a couple of games ago. He missed a couple, so I'm sure, you know, him being set up by Anthony Bavilla was something that was a welcome sight for him. But the offense was one thing, but the ability to play that 200-foot game. There's so many moments, guys, in his own end where he was making the right play, whether it was, you know, where he scored. He eventually ended up scoring that goal four-on-four, but it starts with him and Hronik making the play in the defensive zone that leads to that attack. And there are so many moments like that where he's tracking back and he's making that play. And it wasn't the tidiest of defensive performances. Puck management was an issue, especially early on in this game and later on in this game for that matter. But that's why you have star players. They can take over games. They can create special moments. And they can guide you to victory. I imagine it's going to be a common sentiment throughout the course of this evening, both from us and from listeners as well, that a lot of the players weren't at their best tonight. But you know what? The game still goes on. You still got to go perform. You still got to go win. And, yeah, Elias Pedersen tonight gets the three goals. I'm sure there's other nights where you look at him and said, he probably deserved to have three. It all comes out in the wash. He, he comes out to be even. Um, but it, it, it's it's the overall influence on the game that he does have. And, yeah, I, I did think he fought the puck a bit tonight and made some odd decisions. But, you know, he's also in the right spot a lot of times defensively. And he cleans up and... He, he, he nullifies a lot of potential dangers, and all those plays just add up to, to good fortune on the other side uh, when he ends up getting three goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was one of those nights where there wasn't, you're right, like there weren't a ton of standouts, but there were a few players who played well. And it was interesting, though, that some of their offense was generated, ironically, off some, some good defensive plays. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, the first Pedersen goal uh, happens because... Philip Hronik steals the puck in the middle in front just by the blue line gets it to Quinn Hughes and the next thing you know he's up ice so they were able to take advantage of some good 
situational defending at times, which is promising. But yeah, it was it was a certain slippage in their overall team game. Yeah, and I think you start looking at the stats even throughout the game. I don't have the the exact number now as the third period maybe helped it out to at the beginning. At the end, we know Nashville is really pushing, but. Those are numbers that I'm sure Rick Tockett and the team will look back and say, hey, there's a lot of film that you can break down to say some of the, the decision-making throughout the game was you know, something that you're not proud of. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, you look at the result, you look at the way that they... For me, that resiliency within game is important here, right? We've seen in previous iterations where maybe those moments happen, you can't recover from it. This is a different type of team. They've got the ability to recover in the in-game and to correct that, uh, you talk about defensive play. I was, I really liked Pierce Suter's game today. I thought he was, you know, just the way that he was cleaning up in his own zone. Uh, there was moments where he was actually recovering for some of the defensemen that were pinching up. And uh, there are certain moments where I look back and say, okay, maybe not the a great team game overall, like if you're looking at the, the high danger numbers, but there's some players that had standout moments that were kind of key moments as well. And we can talk about the lack of offense uh, from that moment, uh, from that line, and from the bottom six. But I liked his game, uh, Anthony Bavillier, right? A couple of assists. He responds in a big way, yeah. um, picking up a couple of assists as well. You know, you and I have used the term, uh, don't be a net negative. That, to me, kind of describes the few suitor yep. night tonight, that line. Yeah. Because uh, offensively, there were a couple of moments I thought they could have extracted more yep. out of some offensive chances. And then it's a good point, Randy, because we sat here and we say, like, hey, we want more offense from some of these guys, like a suitor and, and Beauvillier, some guys who had some zeros going. But it's true that on the defensive side, there weren't a lot of their problems as well. So you got to shut down your end, and then you hopefully you get those chances on the other side. All right, let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we are joined by Canucks defenseman Carson Soucy, helping the Canucks win 5-2 over the National Predators here at Rogers Arena. Carson, thanks for joining us here. Um, you guys obviously didn't get off to the start you guys wanted, but what did you think about the battle you guys showed tonight? Yeah, I think ultimately, um, you know, we wanted just to be a little crisper. Um, right from the get-go um but in this 82 game season you're going to have times where you know you're not as sharp as you like but i thought we just did a good job battling and sticking with it throughout the 60 um and just kind of kept getting better as the game went on what was the message in the intermission after 20 there because you start off pretty good with that goal by sam lafferty and then kind of ends off in a poor way what was the message uh, from the coaching staff to you guys um, I think it was just kind of the same as the players. Just we all knew we had a little better um, just to be a little sharper and a little more dialed in. Um, and like I said, kind of throughout the 60, we just kind of kept getting better and getting back to our game. The minutes uh, keep kind of go, going up for you. Now, 17 uh, and change today, coming off of 18 and, and 19 the other two games. Uh, feeling back in, in more of a natural rhythm now? For sure, yeah. Um, obviously, just kind of coming back from an injury and then even just with a new team after a training camp and stuff, uh, it's nice to feel comfortable with, with not only teammates but just kind of the systems we're running. Um, obviously, helps our teams kind of playing some good hockey right now. Well, in terms of that comfortability and confidence, one thing that's been very evident that we saw it tonight and we've seen it throughout your return here, especially as you're growing stronger, is your ability to keep the puck moving in the offensive zone. We've seen your ability to score goals as well. But how much more comfortable are you feeling in terms of being more engaged offensively? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of it, too, is just kind of we're playing good and we're getting more ozone time. You kind of get more ozone time the more you get more comfortable. Um, but like you said, just coming back from the summer and, you know, getting a new, even new offensive zone systems, um, kind of understanding where people are going to be. Um, I, I think it's just kind of easy on us to eat when our 
we do those resets down to the bottom. Our forwards are doing such a good job kind of getting it back, and then we get that momentum, we get that rolling in the ozone. It's kind of been working for us. On the PK, 4 for 4 tonight, uh, this was a pretty hot uh, power play heading into town. Had scored six goals in the last four games. Uh, you know, what worked for you guys there? And it seems like you're really gaining confidence uh, in the last little bit here. Yeah, I think we just kind of stuck to our structure. Um, Pre-scout obviously helped seeing what they're doing, but they made some good plays. We obviously got a couple big stops from Demmer. Um, we knew we just had, had better than our last game. Obviously, a couple five-on-threes. Um, I think we talked about it before that we're close to being being really good, and we're just kind of keep getting better, and it was, it was nice to have a 100% tonight. Hey, how many times in your career have you looked to your right and seen a D partner that's taller than you? Um, it has not not been that often, um, but Mizey's been great to play with. Um, I think just kind of our chemistry's kind of been building these last couple games, and um, you know that's a big part of of taking a couple couple minutes from that that top pair who obviously does such a good job. But um, you know, just try to keep them fresh for when we need them. I know, uh, I'm sure you know in this market, every, everything gets talked about. And Tyler Myers, of course, has has received his fair share of criticism, but he looks like his game's also improving a lot better when he's playing contained and when he's on top of his game, especially with his reach. Like, what do you see in his game that maybe people may not appreciate at times? Um, yeah, I mean, he does such a good job with his reach, but I think just like kind of offensively, he's very sneaky, um, makes a lot of good reads in the ozone. He's got a good shot. He's even deceptive on the breakouts. Uh, for a big man, he kind of he can kind of fool some forwards. You saw it a couple times tonight on the breakout. Uh, hey, Carson, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations on the win, and best of luck on the road in San Jose. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Carson Susi, Canucks defenseman. Canucks win 5-2 over the Nashville Predators. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, Myers gets discussed so much, but it seems like, you know, like Bick was mentioning and you guys mentioning, Carson Susi, I thought, had a strong game as well. Like, he was, he was, out of all the Canucks defensemen, probably the most steady out there tonight. But also him and Tyler Myers, and, and there were some moments tonight. We are seeing the best we've seen from Myers playing alongside Susie. So there's something there, it seems like, that creates a bit more stability for them. Yeah, we're seeing these guys get more ice time too, right? What does that mm-hmm. usually signal? More confidence in the pairing. Uh, what I love about Carson Susie's game, guys, is that just the ability to you know, be so active with the stick that he negates so much coming out of the neutral zone. And that's something that we haven't seen in the city very often going back a long, long time. We haven't seen that. And that just makes it so much easier, not only for his defensive partner, but everybody else on the ice to say, all right, the attack starts now. And this guy's at the very least knocking the puck loose. And I remember there was one moment on the PK where... Forsberg. Forsberg, right? First period, yep. One-on-one matchup there. And what happens? Boom. There's pressure that they feel in their own zone. But a simple stick into the neutral zone, they get a change. Simple plays like that, that means so much over a season and build confidence in a team. And I think, you know, as he gains more confidence in this team, as there's more trust, and even the last week, we've yeah. seen the ice time go up and up. That's a great sign, and especially on the penalty kill. This guy in in front of the net, being active with the stick, at zone entries uh, for the opposition, it, he's he's already been a difference maker. It's just if you can get that ice time around this part, you know, what he played tonight, then the Canucks are in a pretty good situation. Yeah, they, they certainly can be. It's, uh, so I use the word steady. That's what I would use to describe it as well. It just, it, you know, obviously Quinn Hughes at such highs today. Uh, but like, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't see Carson Susie kind of put a stick wrong today. Yep. And you know, saw him on the events event a couple of times as well. <laughs> it was a half breakaway there. Yeah. And, and I mean, he has been more, much more comfortable handling the puck as well. When that confidence starts to come back and, and, and you see a, a player, you know, still coming back from an injury and say, okay, it's eight games now. I'm, I'm feeling like more like myself. And you, you see just natural mobility 
from him. Um, he really takes off, and he's got this nice long stride, and he's he's willing to engage in the offensive zone. I really like the timing of him in the offensive zone. He's he's not as uh, ambitious, right? I say as Tyler Myers, who always wants to uh, come downhill, and and he's just finding a nice rhythm right now in his game. And I, I thought he was just fantastic tonight. Uh, we should also talk a minute about what happened with JT Miller in the second period. Uh, he takes his second penalty, well, technically his third penalty. He got a double minor yep. uh, at the end of the first period, um, one for a hook, and we all agree it was a bad call. Now, you can always make the argument that when a player puts a stick on a guy through the neutral zone, hey, you're putting your stick there so you could get yourself into trouble, but clearly Forsberg grabs the, the stick and chicken wings it. It's a clear penalty on Forsberg as well. I can see offsetting calls on that point. Nonetheless, bad call, whatever, at least not a fair call, perhaps. He chirps the official, gets an extra two minutes, and then he takes another high-sticking penalty, 200 feet from his own ice. He's battling, but maybe being a bit frustrated. And after that, he doesn't take another shift. He gets taken off the first unit power play. Philip Hronik takes a spot, and then for the final shift of the game, instead of, of the second period, instead of Miller going out, it's Suter taking a spot with Besser and PDG. We'll talk about his response in the third period. But that's a pretty ballsy move by the coach to, for a player who's been fantastic to start the season. We all know it with JT over the past couple of years, the emotional outbursts and stuff. That's always been a narrative out there. And it was very negative around him to start last season, of course, before Talk had got here. But it seemed like Talk is getting the best out of him, right? And it seemed like he hadn't really put a skate wrong very often. But he has been undisciplined. He took that penalty early uh, in a game a couple games back as well. The coach harped on this, said we have to stop taking undisciplined penalties. He's been calling out his guys. So when JT does, he benches them. What are, what are our thoughts on that move? If you're preaching accountability, sometimes you got to do that, especially you know even with your leaders, right? And I think Tockett's been very clear about a lot of the stuff he wants his leaders to take care of. But sometimes, and this happens, sometimes your leaders are in the wrong too. I agree with you. That was a, a soft call on him on Forsberg. But you give him coincidentals and call it a day. They didn't do that. You get the extra two. The PK steps up big. And then you take another bad penalty later on. I don't mind that course of action by Rick Tockett yeah. because Tockett's mentioned that. Hey, I was a passionate player too. I had a lot of you know similar attributes to JT Miller. That's I like to see that. But at the same time, it's moments like that that can lose you games. And if they score on the uh, power play there, and Nashville's had a, a hot power play heading into this one, we're, we're maybe having a very different conversation yeah. post-game. So it's moments like that, whether it's two minutes there or two minutes on the Roman Yossi high stick to the face, that could cost you games, right? So I don't mind that. And in the end, he responded the right way, too. Third period, play the different game, and, yeah. and we saw something very different in the third period. That's the important bit is... You can do the message, and how is the player going to respond? Well, we saw him respond in a very positive manner, uh, much more on the edge rather than being over the edge. Because uh, the, the, the Yossi one is the one I don't like. It's yeah, you, You're already on hot water. You don't need to go throw another uh, stick in the face of Roman Yossi. It's, it was undisciplined. Yeah. And so here's this message sent you got to figure out a way to channel it. Because, look, it's still 20 minutes to go. you still got a one-goal lead. Yeah. It's, it's not as if the team isn't going to rely on you for tonight. And so, like, we're going to talk about it tonight. And it's a talking point. But to me, it's it shouldn't be viewed as, like, a five-alarm fire. No. This is what's supposed to happen. We haven't seen it for close to six, seven years. But this is what's supposed to happen when a coach has confidence that in a moment says, okay, you know what? 
I, I have to send this message to this guy. And he responds, great. And they get two points. It should move on. I know, I'm sure tomorrow morning when JT joins Alfred and Bruff, it'll be a bit of a conversation. But it, it's kind of like a one-day story all of a sudden because they won and because he responded. Well, that and also to the point you made, Randy, about accountability and the message for the rest of the group as well. If you see the coach do that with JT and then JT responds the right way, does that not actually not only send a message of warning, but then you see the response? Isn't isn't that exactly yep. what you want to see as a coach? And also in terms of what the other guys will see here in terms of, okay, we know this is what happened and he'll do that to anybody, but you saw the way he responded. So you saw what can happen and that should, in theory, raise the accountability with the, with the other players as well. It should reinforce what you're trying to sell here, which is, you know, hey, nobody is above the law. You got to play the right way, the, yeah. the system. Uh, if you do, you're going to get rewarded. You're going to play 24, 25 minutes a game. If you don't, you might have to sit a little bit, and you might have to sit by the door and let people got, uh, guys in <laughs> in the second period. But I, I love the response from JT where he's going to play on that line, to your point, Bick. Sometimes it's a passionate game. You're in, uh, you know, uh, engaged in a battle there with Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, high-end players. It's a fiery moment, but you got to be careful because for the same reason we said Noah Juleson, remember early this year, he takes that penalty standing up for a teammate. Sure, not the greatest of penalties to take yeah. when you have a power play and it negates that. The same thing with JT Miller here. You get that extra two minutes, it's a four-minute power play, and the game could have been over there. So he responded the right way. That's the most important thing. In a lot of ways, it reinforces what Rick Talkett is trying to sell. It certainly does. His ice time tonight, 13.02. Yeah, and that, it underscores what you mentioned like with someone like Pew Suter. Like, okay, so he's only getting 13 minutes. That's usually like, what, eight, nine minutes away from what yeah. JT he's, uh, can he, play? He averaged 20.42, I think, coming into the game. So you need someone to step up and, and by the way it's 21-21 coming into the 21-21 yeah. right, there you go yeah. so you need someone else to do it now Pew Shooter stepped up defensively that that's massive and this is why like Teddy Bluger has got to get back in here and what that's going to do can, it can take away some of the burden as well from JT on a night like tonight when yeah 13 minutes got his goal um, but it, it, it it, it comes with the territory. I don't want it to seem like, oh, that, like this is why you can't trust JT. It's like, well, it comes with the territory. You, you don't want 13 points in nine games and a plus nine. That's the upside. Listen, you know. JT had JT has had a couple of moments. We talked about the penalties being undisciplined, but you could have easily made the case coming into tonight. He's been the Canucks' best forward. Absolutely, sure. right now, Pedersen scores a hat trick tonight, and now he's off to the races. And what I think is what two points behind Jack Hughes now, or two or three behind for his scoring lead. We're talking be about two behind, yeah, two behind Jack Hughes now. All of a sudden, and we were joking today on Canucks Central about how Jack Hughes is on pace for 184 points. Right, and it, and it, obviously it's not going to happen. Pete, he's at one seventy five now. What's going on here? <laughs> I, 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 someone texted in saying one forty five. Okay, right, one forty five. Right. So I'm overshooting it again. He's not going to hit one forty five. I mean, last year Connor McDavid got one fifty three. Right? Well, maybe I shouldn't say. Maybe I shouldn't put anything past the guy. But nonetheless, I mean, he's off to this incredible start, and, and it's hard to now look at it and say Elias Pettersson is now your best player because tonight Pettersson won the Canucks the game. He scored three goals. Mm-hmm. He doesn't score three goals tonight. Canucks don't win this game. Yeah. You know, and and I think when you have a player of that caliber, but Miller hasn't been too far off coming into this game either. So I do agree. It's it's not this you know five alarm fire no. or, or or anything. But you take note of it. You know that the coach has done this before, and now you know you want to see how JT responds the rest of, rest of the way because even after he scored the goal, he, he didn't seem too happy or whatever. And I would imagine it's going to go down the right way, but now it's about okay, how does he respond the rest of the way? And if he responds more than fine, I don't think I don't I don't see any issues. Totally, and he's 
in a lot of ways, the emotional leader of this team. You know, Quinn Hughes is all that, uh, that as well. He's yeah. the captain, no doubt about that. But we know JT in a, a lot of ways is, you know, kind of the the emotional, kind of the the rah-rah guy from what we know anyways. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a vocal leader, let's put it that way. And sometimes when you're an emotional player like that, it goes one of two ways. We've heard from players in the room that he, he'll lift guys up. Some yeah. of the one-on-one conversations he's had, whether it's with Phil DiGiuseppe or others, um, you know, there's that aspect of it. But, guys, we know how that is. In the heat of the moment, you're going to sometimes say something or do something that it's an 82-game schedule. This is, this is going to happen, especially with players that are wired that way. I agree. It's not a five-long fire. It's you win the game. It's maybe a minor talking point tomorrow. I'm sure he'll get asked about it in the scrum after a practice. But outside of that, you know, to your point, Sat, if it doesn't happen again or if it, it's not a, a ongoing thing, it's it's not really a non-issue to me. you got to learn from this. you got to stress accountability. No, I'm with you there 100%. Randy, great stuff calling the game. It's like us. That's why we're cutting you off right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> accountability. I, I want to go home. Send them home. Please do. <laughs> All right. Yo, Randy, great stuff as always, man. Calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. We look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when the Canucks make a quick trip to San Jose to face... The very, very lowly San Jose Sharks. Trap game. All yeah, right. Trap game. You know what? They better have a better performance than tonight. Otherwise, it could be a, you know one of those embarrassing showings. You don't want to give them their first victory of the no, season. No, you don't want that. Right? All right. Uh, great stuff. That's Randeep Janda. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll hit some of your phone calls as well coming up in just a few moments. Uh, this one says, absolutely love it. Sent him out for the first face-off in the third JT Miller. That is, I can only imagine what Talkett said to the, him in intermission, and he answered the call good too good right now and I think a lot of this a lot of the reaction on the Millers thing I think I think has been pretty steady with that it's like hey glad to send a message JT receives message um, and the Canucks win Rick there it is GP in the 613 text that in so I think people understand kind of what happened there and and I think in the general sense too is as much as the Canucks found a way to win this hockey game they didn't play their best game and listen they're 6-2-1. and one. That's the most important thing. You're nine games into the season, and they already have 13 points. I think we talked about if, if they get 13, 14 points in the first 10 games. So it's all gravy in terms mm-hmm. of where you're getting and the type of start you have to get off to. But I, I would imagine when we hear from the head coach, he'll have a few things to say about their start, them being undisciplined, and how much more they can really improve. Because the, the talk coming into the game was, hey, we're playing well, but it's about evolution. It's about like how do we how do we even fine tune and get higher in terms of our playing? Can we score more? Can we create more scoring chances? Now they scored five goals tonight, but they weren't generating a ton of scoring chances. They were giving up quite a few scoring chances. So in many ways, it was a step back in the process when there was a discussion about ele- continuing to elevate the process. So I can't imagine the coach is happy, but there was enough positives in winning the game that you still come away like feeling like okay, you know what. It wasn't great, but there's stuff here to still feel good about. Still a business end of the season, right? We, we talk about having that start, and we're not going to stop talking about it until game 20, despite the success here. Again, 6-2-1. and one. Uh, It's a f- fantastic start. But you do have to put up some Ws and start building towards something. But it's as far as, like, is this the game you want to try to replicate? No. My my one worry here, though, is that is I, I do think we were going to expect like a burnout game at some point, right? Like they had the Philly game, then it's Tampa, Florida, Nashville, all on the road. Come back home. You, you thought maybe the St. Louis game would be it. It wasn't back to back. You thought that Rangers game would be it. It does happen today. And so, okay, 
I, I'm okay with like a burnout game. It's going to happen over the course of 82, right? You can't sustain a certain level of play or a certain level of effort for 82. The one worry I would have is, have we seen what the peak looks like? That's like that's the thing that would concern me. And if if we haven't, like I, I'm not saying I, we we've seen it for sure, but if if we've seen what the peak looks like, say against the the Rangers, or against that Nashville game, the the first one, if that's what the peak looks like, then I'd be a little bit concerned. But hey, we got weeks and months to go to still figure that out and i do think there's another evolution to come as we've discussed for uh since you know since going back to the preseason but if if we've seen the best version of it and and this one this type of game crops up a bit more often then that would be a bit worrying yes the one thing the one thing i would worry about a bit and i'm hoping we don't see is that you know sometimes you're on a run like the Canucks right now yes they lost against the rangers but they picked up points in five Mm -hmm. straight games Mm -hmm. that's a run you know and if you're getting away with some stuff in a game, sometimes you get away with a few things and then you hit like, okay, now the reality hits if you can't get away with that and you were getting some bounces. Do they rectify their game in San Jose? And do we see the other, uh, you know, the intensity go up? Or do we see another so-so performance? Mm-hmm. Maybe they win, but that just inevitably ends up with you having a reality check. And, and so I'm really curious to see that, that effort in San Jose because if this is the burnout game tonight, and then you respond to that, great. If not, then maybe we've got to wait a few games to see where it kind of lands. And when there's been moments of call to action, even inside a game, but let's just silo the games themselves, look, they, they were called to action to try to increase, increase the effort in Tampa Bay. They did it. It was a loss. I get it. But Nashville finished the road trip well. They do that. Start the homestand well. They do that. Even tonight in, within this game, again, you're not playing well. That doesn't mean you get to say, hey, for all the fans that uh, didn't go trick-or-treating tonight that came to Rogers Arena, sorry, we just don't have it tonight. You, you still got to send the fans home happy. And not the perfect performance, but there's certainly no Canucks fans complaining about uh, another two points and 6-2-1 and one to begin the year. So you've got to find those resilient moments and... Uh, whether it came by way of Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, who's getting some love in the inbox about a couple of stops late in the third period. He showed what he had to do uh, in the third period, kind of rebounding from a, an iffy goal on the second one. Everyone kind of pitched in and, and, and solved the problem for tonight of, hey, we we, we got to win. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's the thing for me, because as much as we can talk about the process, you never apologize for having a few things. One of them is having super, superstar players. And when you have superstar players like Elias Patterson, they're going to do stuff like this. And to your point before about Quinn Hughes, yeah, maybe he didn't have the cleanest game defensively. Him and Hironik haven't been on the uh, on the ice for goals against. They had a couple tonight. But you saw offensively what he can do. You saw Hironik still make some big-time big, big time plays. And if you have players who can make difference-making plays at times, you have a good goaltender like Thatcher Demko make a, made a bunch of big saves throughout this game to make sure that the National Predators never really took full advantage of how the Canucks started this game off. It shows you the level of quality that you can that can help you get away with games, and I think that's still a big positive here. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox six fifty six fifty. This one says, "Guys, we were six two and one. Never, not every game will be perfect. The main thing is mm-hmm. that we won and still played a decent game. Preds also played a decent game. They were not perfect. Uh, typical sat when they win, they don't win the right way. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's typical, but it is what it is. Uh, progress isn't linear. They they will have games like this one tonight along the way. And to me, that's the other point here, Vic, because what you mentioned as well." The coach himself said, we're trying to build an identity. 
And he said, we're stingy right now, but we want to be able to generate more offense. You don't, you don't forge your full identity in the first nine or ten games. It takes 30, 40 games for you really to hone oh, in I on it. I would argue even 50, 60. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, even, I, even I, more ideally, so. Ideally, you have it solved by February. Yeah, and, and it's not even so, the thing is, you want to see progress towards mm-hmm. it and build towards it. It's not going to be perfect. If you see progress, you feel good about it. What you don't want to be... What situation you don't want to be in was last year, you're 30 games in, and you're like, I have no idea what this team is. Now we know what this team is trying to be. We know the things they do well, got away from it tonight, but can still apply it. And I do think as, as the season goes on, they will continue to grow and get a lot stronger. Uh, let's hit one more one phone call before we get out here, and we'll get to the head coach as soon as he becomes available on the podium as well. Uh, let's start off in Campbell River where we have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to say I completely agree with uh, what you guys are saying tonight. Uh, absolutely uh, 51 scoring chances for 21 high danger chances. They're second in goal different differential. Uh, they're first in my cherry picked stat of choice. Uh, this team is absolutely dominating and they've got a real chance at that 65 win record that I mentioned. Uh, there's no stopping <laughs> this train. We can only go up from here. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for the phone call. There you go. Hype on the phone line, Gary and Campbell River. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts there and your phone calls, plus head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 Canucks win over the National Predators right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Wayne Hughes got it to McKay and tried a centering pass for Pedersen. Broken up by Forsberg, but then Pedersen lifts his stick. Hironic gets it back from McKay ahead to Hughes. Now drop pass to Pedersen into the Nashville zone. Shoots! He scores! A deceptive wrist shot from the high slot. Off the stick of Elias Pedersen, fools Kevin Lankinen, and the Canucks tie the game at two with a four-on-four goal. You give him room, and he's going to make you pay, but this starts in the defensive zone. A good job by Pedersen and Hironik to create the turnover, and Pedersen gets the puck in the slot and ends up letting that wrist shot go. Elias Patterson and Hattrick on the evening. Canucks defeat the Predators 5-2. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts in for our text inbox. 650-650. Dunbar Lumber. You can also grab a phone line. 604-280-0650. And uh, we are going to get to head coach Rick Tockett coming up in just a moment's time. A lot of disagreement about how the Canucks played tonight on the text inbox. Al from Nelson. I'm starting to wonder if you guys watched the same game tonight. The team played great. What are you guys going on about? JT gets benched for a couple of shifts. Did you guys make it out to be a bad line? Nice job otherwise, boys, but I think you're a bit off on your assessment tonight. Um, I I don't know if the Canucks played great. We are going to hear from the head coach. I would imagine the head coach isn't going to be overly enthused by how they play, despite the fact they won the game. And that's the only point that, that we're making here. But hey, listen, you can, hey, be excited about your team. The Canucks are 6-2-1, 100%. I'm not going to tell you to, that, they, that you're wrong about it. You thinking they played well. You were impressed by Pedersen scoring a hat trick. You were impressed by Quinn Hughes having, what, three assists on the evening. You were impressed by JT Miller responding and scoring a goal. That's fair. 
But, yeah, we'll hear from the head coach coming up in a few minutes as well to see what his thoughts are on how the team played. I think maybe uh, Canuck fans have had a lot of chocolate and candy tonight and they're just all worked up. That's good. Maybe, honestly, <laughs> I will say this. You know what? This is a good example. I told you about this. So, Bick and I went to, Cleve- to Cleveland, to Seattle to watch the Cleveland Browns mm. play to, uh, the Seattle uh, Seahawks. It's a long drive from Cleveland. So, yes, yeah, a long drive. So, we, we went down. To, but I remember I was trying to get hyped for the game, and I listened to this podcast about previewing the game. The Browns are 4 and 2 on the season. So, I'm like, okay, I can't wait to listen to this you know, game preview. And the first 20 minutes were spent talking about how like how much of a disaster the owner is and stuff like that. And I'm like, come on, the Browns like are 4 and 2. I understand. But I'm saying, like, it's, they're 4 and 2. I'm excited for the game. Like, can you guys talk? So I get, like, when your team's winning and you hear anything yeah. negative, it, it doesn't always, you know, go down. But it's really constructive criticism more than anything else because I do believe that this group is has an impressive group of players pick. And I think if they put it together with consistency, they can be a good team. And part of that is having a high standard. And even when you win hockey games, there are things you can do better to sustain your winning. And I think I think there clearly are things that Canucks can do better. Again, you never apologize for winning a hockey mm-hmm. game, but there are things they can certainly clean up. And look, it, it, the point's been made, and we said it as well, but Mark and White Rock, is, hey, it's an off night. They found a way to win the game. Uh, they would have lost 100% of the time over the last 10 years. And that's the thing. It's Look, when you don't play well and, and up to a certain standard, you've still got to go win. And, yeah. and tonight, again, they got their two points. They they did what they needed to do, but I imagine tomorrow there's going to be some look at like some video stuff and say, hey, here's some things that we can clean up and keep going towards uh, something better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll keep getting to more of your text messages coming up in a moment, uh, but let's get to a couple of phone calls. We'll start off in North Van, where Stuart is on the line. Stuart, thanks for the phone call. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, gentlemen, thanks for taking my call as always. I hope, uh, hope you guys are having a good evening. Good, man. Yeah, we are. How about you? All right. Y'all are doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, I think I want to just preface this call by saying, you know, people with their thoughts on the text line are calling in about how it wasn't a great performance, but we saw one or other people who were already planning the parade down Granville Street. What's nice to see is that people care. People give a damn again after a couple seasons of just myself being one of them, uh, a fan who was just empathetic to everything that was going on. And that is the worst thing you can feel as a fan of a, of a sports team is where you just don't give a crap. And so it's just nice to be seen entertaining games. Playoffs in the spring, let's worry about that bridge when we get to it. Right now, we're just having fun. Obviously tonight, Pedersen, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, Hughes with a nice, you know, quiet under, you know, under the radar, but a nice three assists. That, that was amazing. Miller, you know, uh, like you said, Miller is sort of the, um, you know, he's, he's the mouth. He's the voice of the team where... He always tries his hardest, whatever the situation is. So even if he's getting a little bit of a scalding by Tockett, he's going to come back. Like, he's a big boy. He's not going to sit and pout, which is awesome. Demko only allowed two goals in his last two starts. That is unbelievable. And looking back at the schedule, the only games that we have not got points fully in is out-of-conference games, which is huge. Because you look at the Pacific right now, and even after that Heritage Classic, with Edmonton finally winning a game, the division's getting pulled like an elastic band. You've got it right down the middle. There's like a half that's in trouble, and we're kind of chilling with Vegas and the Kings. So, I mean, I know it's early, but every game now we say it's early, it's early. Boy, it's already over 10% into the season. So, you know, we can start kind of seeing that foundation. My last call, I said, this is the roadmap. You look at the out-of-town scores. You look at what's happening. I mean, if we just stay on this trajectory, and it's consistent, right? We haven't had, I would say, the Philly game was bad. 
But outside of that, consistency is something this team has lacked since that bubble playoff series against the Blues and uh, the mini playoff against the, the Wild. So it's just great to see the team coming together. We've got a new, you know, we've got a new army going right now. The old regime's out. It's nice. It's nice to see. And I'll finish with this. My boy, uh, my boy Corey, just became a father. Corey, congratulations. Next round of course is on me, bud. All right, take it easy, guys. Hey, great stuff. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Stuart in North Van calling. And I think the point he made off the t- top, and you're seeing a lot of this too, is the apathy mm-hmm. is gone. It's more about excitement as well. And yeah, trepidation for some people, but there is genuine excitement. And I think even the pushback against you know some of the critique comes from a point of people are very excited about this team. A lot of people are, and they're proud that their team is six two one. They believe in their team, and when that happens, you're going to you know defend your guys, even if somebody you know critiques their game, even if it's constructive or not. But I think that's a big difference from what we've seen in the past. I mean, this post game show was essentially just people texting in about how bad everything is, people calling mm-hmm. in about you know how mad they are about everything, and and that tone has shifted significantly. Yeah, a lot of talk about uh, the new standards as well for the team, notably because of a, a benching today and and bringing JC back yeah. into the game. But this one, unsigned, if you were watching this game from the perspective of improvement over last year, then the Canucks played great. If you're watching them from the new bar they're setting, then they played okay tonight. And, yeah, that that's where it ultimately comes down to. And for a lot of fans, it's it's that reinforcement of, like, okay, they are trying to change here. And tonight was a game you would have seen over the past couple of years that it resulted in two not getting two points, probably not even getting one point. You know what You know what tonight was, Bick? And I say this as a compliment, even though I completely, I think it was a great text, because if you're comparing it to last year, a good game last year before the coaching change was made was, do the Canucks just not fall apart and give their goalie and their best players a chance to win a game? And that's what it was, mm-hmm. right? Where last year was like, hey, we know they're getting out cha- shot, we know they're getting out chance, but they're still somehow keeping it together and they're giving their star players a chance to win the game. And it's like, hey, for this team, that's a good game. But now, when we've seen what they can be like when they play a good 5-on-5 game, we're talking about going up against the New York Rangers. They lost against the Rangers in overtime. I couldn't say enough good things about how well mm-hmm. they played. To me, it was their best game all season because of back-to-backs, you're playing against a Stanley Cup contender that doesn't have any holes in its roster, that didn't have that that came and rested against a monster in net by the name of Igor Shosturkin, and the Canucks battled and should have could have won that hockey game. Like that was a game to be proud of. They were fantastic in that game. So you know what they can look like. So when they don't get to that level, and yeah, to your point, you can't be at that level every eighty two, but I do think you can get close enough to it that some of these performances are just the ones that you probably don't want to get away from. Okay, we we've given enough of our thoughts on this, and we'll get to more of it and we'll get to more of yours on the phone and uh, phone boards and the text inbox. But we mentioned the head coach, Rick Tockett. How does he feel about how his team played tonight? Uh, and we're, we'll get to that coming up in, in just a moment here, Vic. But before we do, we can hit a couple text messages. Uh, Zach from Lethbridge uh, may have not been the best game fundamentally, may have been a burnout game. Uh, this team is fun to watch, and we are winning. 650-650. Keep coming with the text as well. Uh, GP in the 613. Tockett sends the message. JT Miller receives. JT Miller responds. Canucks win. Rick, there it is. And Steve-O saying uh, JT has grown and matured previous seasons. He would have went off the rails, took his medicine, and you can see how he's trying to stay on track. Yeah, and I do agree with that as well. Now, we mentioned the head coach. It is ready now. Here's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win. Yeah, obviously we're happy to win. Obviously that's not our brand of hockey. It was, uh, you know, I thought we were pretty loose. Um, so, 
you know, you, you like to, these learning lessons when you, you win. You know, if you lose, it's a big learning lesson, but it is a big learning lesson even when you win. So it's a little easier to for tomorrow for us to kind of dissect this and get back to our identity. Um, yeah, it was a loose game. You know, this too many turnovers, too many people diving in. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great game for us identity-wise. How about Elias and his performance tonight, obviously, with the hat trick? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was turning the puck over a lot, though. Uh, I, him getting three goals, I liked that part, but he was, he was one of the culprits of uh, turning the puck over. Um, we got to make sure that, uh, you know, he knows it. Um, by getting the three goals, obviously that power play goal helped us, but, you know, we're, you know he, we have too many guys returning the puck over tonight. <clears throat> How about Thatcher keeping you guys in this one? You mentioned yeah. team not playing the way. What do you think of his performance? Yeah, he was great. <clears throat> you know, he had... He was he was great tonight as always. Gives us a chance to win. Uh, Niels Huglander looked like he got to jump up in the lineup as well. Play with some different guys. What were you looking for there? I guess in the second period, I think it was kind of shifting around some forward lines. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. What the, uh, sometimes sometimes what happens is some guys are staying out or they're getting trapped. So two guys will go on and they'll stay out. So you know, then I had to, you know, he probably got on a couple times because somebody was out there too long. Ask you about JT Miller late in the second yeah. period. You sat him for about five minutes, including the power play. Just, just simple accountability, or take me through that decision. Yeah, it's, it, I love Millsy. I mean, he's been he's played un- unreal hockey for me. Um, I felt at the time for he needed to sit for four minutes. It could have been JT. It could have been anybody. And um, you know, accountability. And uh, he responds with a goal. And I think he, you know, he's fine. What was his reaction, especially in the intermission? And the what during the intermission? Uh, he was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and, you know, apologized, and I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with J.T. Miller. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Rusty voice. I'll give you a sec. <clears throat> yeah. When you've got a guy who's going the way he has to start the year, playing the tough matchups, and, yeah. and you make a decision like that, you come back with him to open the third, is, is that part of the message sent and received communication you're going for there oh yeah he deserves it you know he, you know he deserves to play he's 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 an emotional leader for this team you know it's we're a quiet team you know and i think sometimes we all give him crap sometimes because he's got to draw the motion for a lot of our guys and um you know sometimes he's going to go over the edge and he got back and he's fine like i like i said um, i have no problem with his emotions at all Having played Nashville so recently, yeah. and it was such a different game in terms of, I mean, I guess you'd call it an identity game, right? Yeah. That Nashville yeah. game's a lot closer to what you want, yeah. I'd assume. Is there something they did, something they were able to change up having seen you so recently, or was it just the way you executed, your team executed tonight? Well, Bruno, I think he's a really good coach, offensive guy. He, they, you know, they, they, they take off. Um, and we knew that when, in Nashville we played a, a very smart game. We didn't tonight. You know, we dove in. We we uh, turn the pucks over, um, and that's that feeds their transition. I don't know how many times their D beat our F one F one and two up the ice. Um, actually, four and five up the ice. Um, that didn't happen in Nashville. So maybe winning some games, you know, a uh, little loose. And you know, like I, I said, you guys, you know, we got to be careful. We don't get fat and happy around here. And I think. Winning this game's great, and we had some individuals that you know did, did a nice job for us. But I think as a whole, as a team, I think we understand that we have to play a certain way, and that's tonight's not the way if we want to, you know, build build this thing. 
when you do uh, sit a player yeah. like JT Stature, it's obviously a message to him. Is it a message to the team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it makes everybody know they're accountable, you know, whether it's JT Miller or Pedersen or, you know, Hoggy or it doesn't matter. I think it's important. Now, <clears throat> some guys get a little bit longer leash uh, for some different reasons. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the reasons, but um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think he des- he deserved a chance to go out in the third. Like, I'm not going to send him the third period. I mean, he's done too many good things for, for me and his teammates. And, the guy, and when he scored, his teammates were so happy for him. <clears throat> I'm sure there were times you got benched as yeah. a player. Uh, is Do any stand out? As, as I, I've been benched before? Yeah. Yeah, Mike Keenan's done that a couple times to me. <laughs> but he benched me the whole – he benched me for two – like, I didn't get – I didn't get the to play the third. I was done. So it was well received. <laughs> uh, Patterson's now second in the league in points. Uh, Quinn is uh, tied for first in points as <clears throat> a defenseman. What can you say about your two star players really leading the way right now? Yeah, they're producing. They're getting us a lot of points. You know, um, so that that's a good part. That's a good part. What about on the other side of the puck? Uh, their play defensively as well. Though the, their play defensively as well. Yeah, I think that it's 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 good. Um, you know, um, it's a constant challenge for me with this leadership group that they're terrific and they're buying in. But some they got to understand sometimes when we don't have our A game, they got to make sure that they participate. And you know, we can't always hit a home run, so we got to be careful of hitting home runs all the time when we don't have our legs or we're not as you know good teams kind of. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you got to let the game come to you. Sometimes we try to hit a home run every shift, and that's why you get this river hockey sometimes. Um, and we got to be careful that that doesn't that's not winning hockey. You talked about the turnovers. Yeah, uh, it seemed like passes weren't connecting. Yep. Is it just on the passer, or was it a case of players not coming back, not being in the right position to receive passes? Like I think it's both. That's a good point by you. I think <clears throat> on a regroup, if, if you know, I'm, I'm watching. We watched a little bit of everybody came here. Guys are just cr- cr- um, cruising back. So now the D got it. We want to play quick up. And we're not getting back in position. So what do they do? They try to throw it in the middle of the ice, and they get pick it off. So it's kind of a combination. I can't blame whether I think it's just a team thing. And we've been usually we've been really good at it. Last four games, I think three or four games we, from the Philly game, we built on it. So um, you know we'll, we'll go through this tomorrow, and um, you know it's a good lesson for us. We're going into San Jose. We got Dallas at home. So these are games that we uh, we got to be careful about. And at the end of the first period, how important was that uh, penalty drawn by Suter to? send you into the second period going four on four instead of being on the penalty kill. Yeah. There was a couple of points where the, the game could have turned, you know, whether it was that, um, obviously the power play goal helped us. Um, you know, our penalty kill was good tonight, but they were on the verge of, you know, they could have broke it. The, and then obviously Demer, you know, came up some big, we just needed to hold the fort and advance the puck. Um, and we were, you know, we're, we were trying too many inside plays when they're not there. And I think, like I said, we're happy we won, and this is a good learning lesson for us all, everybody. Rick, after some well-publicized struggles on the road trip, Tyler Myers' ice time dropped down, but he was close to 20 minutes tonight, and you used him a lot late. Uh, what are you seeing uh, from him in terms <clears throat> of a rebound, perhaps? Yeah, Tyler, what I, what I really love about the kid, I remember one time last year he had a really bad game. He texted me, apologized, and he played great after that. And then he obviously, I think, I forget what game, he didn't have a good game, and um, 
he wanted to talk. We had a great, we actually went and walked around Nashville and was actually a great talk. And since then, he's been, he's been great. He had a great, he was, to me, he was one of the best players on our team. I thought he was great tonight. And I like the way he's handled, you know, there's been a little adversity at him. And I think his last three games, he's really dialed in. Like he's been, he's been really good. I'm really proud of him. You already touched on, obviously, the timely power play goal. What about the penalty kill yeah. tonight? Yeah, the penally kill was good. I, I, I think, you know, Yosey talked to the penalty killers tonight, and they said, listen, I know the stats, the five on two, five on three. I think they had another five on three this year. Um, but overall, we're pretty pleased with the structure. Uh, a couple of mishaps here and there. So I thought the penalty kill was one of the, re- one of the pluses for our game tonight. It was good for them. And obviously getting that power play goal really helped us. Sorry, Rick. This was the first time that Elias Pettersson ever scored a hat trick in this building. Well, Does that surprise you? Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. With his the way he plays the game, and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't know that. So his most of them are on the road. No, just one more. Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Many more to come. I hope. Yeah, that was good. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win over the Nashville Predators. And he covered a lot of ground there in that availability. I think it was close to 10 minutes uh, meeting with the media. And, you know, as far as what he said about the game, this was not a great game for us identity-wise is a direct quote. And he said, maybe my favorite thing he said, don't get fat and happy around here. Winning is great, but as a team, that we have to play a certain way, and tonight is not the way. Why is Rick Tockett being so negative? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't he know they're six two and one? He said, "Hey, don't get fat and happy around here." And that's the bar. He himself mentioned that before the game too. You can't get fat and happy. Like this is something that he's talking about. So, listen, the Canucks won the game, mm-hmm. and even he himself said, "You're happy." And we said, "Hey, you should be happy about winning the game." Got to play better though, in general. And you heard the coach say it himself. I mean, if anything, he's probably a bit tougher on them than we were. Um, you know, we say they got to be a lot better. If, but... if you ranked the performances um, nine games now in the eyes of like what Rick Tockett would like. I bet you this is above the Philly game, but below the Edmonton win on the road. Because Edmonton just came in such waves or a big team, home open. I think but it was but like, at least that one was like, well, you, you competed, you blocked shots, yeah. you stayed true to w- what we're trying to get towards. Yeah, and he himself said that game. He had to get a clean lot of stuff up, but he loved the battle they showed. Yeah. I mean, they battled tonight, but it was against you know, a tough opponent in that game. But even on... Like, <laughs> it wasn't great. Like, he has better than that hat trick. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you turn the puck over a lot. And he, like the coach said, it was a loose game, you know. And somebody texted in earlier. I thought it was a great observation. The Canucks struggled to connect a lot of passes, mm-hmm. especially early in the game. Now, they had some moments, and, you know, that's been a thought that's come into the text inbox, 650-650, uh, like this one here, saying they won 5-2, outshot them, outplayed them in the second half of the game. They will have some mediocre games. That's one text that came in. And, and I think that's fair, but it's more about the process standpoint. And he said... The identity we're trying to... This was not a good identity game. And I think mm-hmm. the coaches, coaches oftentimes over an 82-game season will take an identity loss over a non-identity win. Because to them, they For feel... For instance, the Rangers game. The Rangers game, right. Because, I mean, yes, you want to get the points. Again, like, you know, they'll take the points happily because you need them. But in terms of building process is what I'm trying to get to more than anything else. And building your team identity. Anytime you have a game that's not your identity... It means you got to rectify it. And there's always a chance that that gets harder to rectify. So you don't like to see it. But it's early in the year. They're, they can certainly improve on a lot of these aspects. But the coach, like we've been saying, has set a very high standard. Now, beyond all, beyond that, it was interesting what he said about JT Miller as well. said, 
He uh, he felt he needed to bench him for those four minutes because of account- accountability. But he said JT responded and it's fine. And they said he said they both apologized to each other at the end of the second. Loves the mission. guy. He loves the guy. Yeah, loves. No it. problem with JT. Love the guys. And look, said. that's. That's the system working. Yeah. If, if you want to build accountability in, as part of the infrastructure of your organization, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And it, it should happen more frequently. We honestly just have not seen it here in a really long time. Really long time. And like even last year and the previous couple of years, like Bruce Boudreaux would, would run JT Miller out 22 minutes a night. Even when he was struggling, Bo Horvat would get 21 minutes a night. Elias Patterson, like he, he relied on his stars. Mm-hmm. And tonight, you know, Rick Taka was like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. 13 minutes. I'll I'll figure it out. I believe I believe in our identity and our coaching that we'll we'll try to figure it out. And you're out for six minutes anyways, and I'm going to sit you for another four. Pew Suter." Here's some extra minutes. Yeah, 100%. And, and go win those minutes. Yeah, and he, and he did. did. And, he did. and he shut down what he needed to shut down. And even if the offense wasn't there, but you bought yourself time for JT to go, okay, look, I screwed up. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there in, in the third period. And lo and behold, who scored the goal? You, It's about, you know, it's impressive, I think, how Talkit is able to handle these things. It's, it's managing the game within the game. Yeah. And, you know, we, we mentioned, like, last year there would be games where the guys would go up on a big high and, and they kind of coast to a victory and then the next game it's they're on the wrong foot immediately and you're just okay well this is not one of those games they're yeah. going to win you're seeing more personality injected into these games within the game that there's a natural ebb and flow to them that hey here's the moment they're up okay now they're down they have to come back from this yeah okay now the, this has happened they're on even footing what are they going to do to come back and the rangers game was a perfect example for it yeah you go down late you say you get the talent myers goal and you think all right great Give up the two goals and look. Oh, I guess we're done. No, Carson Susi scored, and you're right back in it again. Get awake for o- for for OT, and 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 you see just more natural swings, and the team willing to come back for them. It's like that's kind of an encouraging thing as far as figuring out where your identity is, mm-hmm. and that to me is always important because identity is when things go wrong, you have something to rely upon. Exactly, and then when you have that, that's when you don't compound mistakes, and that's how you prevent it from being a fire drill like we've seen so many times in the past, and that has been missing. Like, again, tonight wasn't a great game, but it wasn't like a fire drill consistently. No. There was a few bad shifts, but, but if, the bar if, has been raised, so it's like when a game you see a game like this, you mean when you win, you're like, we know they're capable of being a lot better than this. If Nashville was like Minnesota against a better opponent. Yeah, uh, listen, Nashville's toothless. They really yeah. are. So you it's, know, Forsberg struggling really, to score. Really Philip Forsberg is the only one you're like frightened of, and he's as, starting as, as far goal. as the, the forward ranks. And he has one goal to start the yeah. season, so he's been cold. So it's it, there's not a lot of offense there, you know. So yes, a different opponent could make it a lot more difficult, and I think that's part of the reason the coach like you, you want it to be a lot better. Like Dallas, we'll see them on Saturday. That's going to be a tough game. You play like this against Dallas, it's going to be a lot tougher. Yeah, uh, and hey, they have a game coming up on San, against San Jose against the Sharks. That's a perfect place for you to improve your game and come away with another two points. Uh, a lot of text messages. This one calls out Petey for turnovers. LOL. I love that guy. Um, and uh, the coach is awesome. I love how he called out Pedersen. Sat, is your hairline natural? Yes. <laughs> a C likes texting in. I don't know. I've been getting a lot of these texts. Yes, it's natural. 
Man, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot even begin to explain how natural it is. <laughs> it's going to grow. I mean, I'll probably lose as time goes on, so you'll see Can't the natural confirm. regression. Uh, all right. Lose so, at this time? Come on, man. You're, you're... Trust me. You're fine. <laughs> I'm a man. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so shook. I was like, this guy's already pro- pro- projecting his hair loss. I was like, hello, I'm sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I've been get, listen. I've just got a bunch of these texts coming in, so I'm just reading the last one. That As the out. resident expert, I think you're all right. <laughs> I think he knows. Uh, listen, I love talk good man to man coverage right here. Some zone <laughs> coverage on the left cranium. <laughs> As a cover six. <laughs> All right. Uh, love talk calling on Mike Keenan. He's also really insightful, candid about his thoughts. His post-game pressers are always worth listening to. And, and I agree. I think it's he has been very refreshing in terms of how he's been very honest and mm-hmm. I think real in terms of answering questions. And even on, on the JT stuff, like he didn't hide from it. And I, I think having that type of honesty, but also it doesn't come with a perceived, any preconceived notion or malice. I think that goes a long way with the players. When you ask guys what it's been like to play with talking, and I ask guys on different teams, and they say that even when he's critical, it never comes off as being malicious or like mean spirited or like it's just he just very comfortably talks to you about what you're doing and not doing and why he's playing you or not playing you. I'll go even one step further. It also doesn't feel like it's coming from a place of self interest. No, of like, hey, I got to get results too. And, and the Bick, pressure if, on me. If you're trying to get results, you're not playing JT Miller 13 game, 13 yeah. minutes. I'm not saying he's not trying to get results, but you saw previous coaches even... Well, you you talk about the league. Okay, let's be real, Bick. At the beginning of last season, JT played some of the worst hockey he's ever yeah. played as a Vancouver Canuck. He's still playing 22 minutes a game. Yeah. I don't even mean this just compare Rick Tocca to Bruce Boudreau. I just mean in general, coaches will compromise themselves a lot just for the sake of, hey, I can get two points and I trust this guy. This level of accountability, or, or this level of of r- like real coaching, I'm going to invest in you, and it's not I want to invest in you to go, go get results for me. It also just comes off of a place of I want you to be the best version of yourself. And when you have someone that's doing that as authentically as Rick Tockett does, I think it it naturally kind of wakes players up and say. Oh right! Like he's not just doing it for himself. He's he's trying to get more out of me. He's mentioning going on a walk with Tyler Myers. That's that's a person investing in you to try to get more out of you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we talk about building a program as well. Sometimes, like, can you have a head coach that can be here for a long period of time and build success and and really connect? And I think. You see the potential with, with Rick Talkett, and hopefully it's something that, that keeps growing. Uh, let's get to a couple more text messages, and we'll take a phone call before we hit the break and get back to some audio from Elias Pedersen, who uh, let's just say that he showed a lot of love for the fans in the building. We'll get to that coming up uh, in a few minutes' time. This text, we don't have to lose to learn. How refreshing! <laughs> Great, great take. And again, I mean, that's what you want. Like, you want to be able to have your lessons come in victory sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, 650-650 uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Tyler, Miller message sending. Everyone is focusing on the negative uh, the negative of Bordeaux with the positive. Pew Suter getting the positive slap on the back saying, let's see what you got. Uh, love that. it was. I was still super confident the Canucks would win even when they were down 2-1. You could tell uh, we were just a better team even though we weren't playing like that. 650-650. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to a couple of your phone calls. Let's go to Aiden, who's on the phone line. Aiden, thanks for hanging on to your line. What you got for us tonight? Yeah, I was just going to 
All right, Aiden. That's uh, sorry. That's a bad line. We'll see if we, we'll get you reconnected on this. But we'll come back on the other side. We'll, we'll hear from Elias Patterson. Like Aiden we mentioned, like the Canucks tonight, just a little sloppy. I'm sure the take was great, but the uh... Uh, didn't make it to the end. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, hopefully we can get you on the other side. Uh, all right, we'll get to Elias Patterson as well. A lot of love for the fans and the Canucks winning five two over the National Predators right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Out of Hironic. Left circle. Try to pass back to the blue line. Broken up by Cole Smith. Kuzmenko's in to get it. He'll carry top of the point. Saucer pass to the right circle for Pedersen. Fake the one-timer. Pedersen shoots. Scores! Elias Pedersen has his second of the night and fourth of the season. This one on the power play. And the Canucks lead 3-2. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was turning the puck over a lot, though. Uh, Him getting three goals, I like that part, but he was was one of the culprits of uh, turning the puck over. Um, We got to make sure that, uh, you know, he knows it. Um, By getting the three goals, obviously that power play goal helped us. But, you know, know, we have too many guys returning the puck over tonight. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett not just satisfied with the victory. He still wants more from his group. But the Canucks victory is 5-2 over the National Predators. Even the guy scoring a hat trick couldn't evade criticism from the head coach. A couple turnovers uh, about Elias Patterson, But, you know, that's that's what we're talking about when the team gets off to a 6-2-1 start. They're trying to be more than just a competitive team. They believe they can be a good hockey team. And record-wise, they're certainly off to that. And we'll see how much more they can clean up their game right here. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, it's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll hit some of these uh, as the show goes on here, and we'll get to uh, more of post-game audio, Ian McIntyre later, and the reaction that is key, that keeps coming in. Now, we heard the clip from Pedersen, mm-hmm. um, and I think ultimately when, when we're looking at a player like him who doesn't have a contract yet for next season but is an RFA, and the big question has always been: the first month of the season's not over, and Sats like doesn't have a contract. No, yet. my point is the conversation is like, what's going to happen? So everything, every everything around <laughs> Patterson. We're in week four, he's like, I can't believe he doesn't have a contract yet. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just saying, you're right. It's one of those things. There's a hyper focus on everything Patterson does. Now he's off to this great start. The team's having success. It's like, okay, what's the number going to look like? You know, is he now willing to sign with the team or not? And I think everything he says and does is under extra microscope of like, is he showing affinity for the city? Like, is he showing like he has some love for for the city? Like, does he, he really want to stay here? Essentially, the game that's being played now. Post game. We'll play some uh, more Elias Pettersson audio coming up. A post-game, he did a walk-off interview with Kay Pettersson, the Canucks in, uh, in-house reporter, and they played it on the Jumbotron. We were on the show. But he talks about, you know, how great it can be playing in Vancouver. Have a listen to uh, how Pettersson uh, interacts with Kay Pettersson about the game tonight. Well, Elias, a resilient effort from your group battling back from a deficit to get the win tonight. How does that feel? Uh, it feels great. Uh, fans are all loud. Uh, it's fun to play here now. So, uh, yeah, great win. Well, I know that first and foremost, you are a team guy. But after tonight and this season so far, we've got to talk about you. Your sixth multi-point night, second career hat trick. 
How excited are you about the way you're playing and, and how special it is to play like that in front of these fans? Uh, it's a lot of fun now. Um, I was just worried on the open net to make sure I scored that, unless like last time. Uh, that is Elias Pettersson after the game. And, you know, you know, a lot of people were texting that in. He said he uh, really enjoys playing here. It's fun to play here now. You know, the fans are amazing. I think part of it is obviously, yeah, I mean, the fans are good, but it's more about probably the team is having success right off the bat. Yeah, I don't read a whole lot into that. I, I'm doing the same thing I did when, when the Horvat comments happened, where it's just <laughs> like, hey, when a player just, like, ends the game, they're not totally in the like the the, the same headspace of like you know what I'm focused on right now my contract. Well, and I'm, all not, these I'm not saying about the car. I'm just saying. No, no, no but I, I'm just saying like an athlete in general is not. It's like there's a reason they have a cool down period before they meet with the media and like questions thrown right yeah. away. I I don't take a lot of stock in some of the answers. Now, had he, had he said, I'll tell you that for free, then different story. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He didn't say that. But no, look, it was the same comment I said like way back yeah. in, in, in April. I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm hey, listen. I, I'm willing to like chalk that up as nothing. But if people want to oh, get it wasn't about nothing. It, back then, it wasn't nothing. Not nothing. But if you want, if people want to get hyped up on about it, get, get, enjoy yourselves. Hey, all he said was, "It's fun to play here now." He said, "Now," mm-hmm. which tells you it wasn't always fun to play. He's here. tired. Did he mean to put right now? <laughs> Before I'm just saying, was, hey, listen, people texted it in. They wanted to hear it. Yeah. And, and there's texting in. It's fun to play here now. He said, sign him now, all caps. Fun to play here now, all caps on the now. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what, what I, I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to be, my to point, be psyched about it. Bick, my opinion on it is like, I'm not reading anything to Bick, that. My point, and you're making it for me, was everything Patterson does is hyper focus. And just listen to what Patterson has to say, you know, because everything he says, because he doesn't have a contract, it's going to be read into like, oh, you're does he burn out by now? week nine? Fl- like, I, hey, listen, that's all I'm saying. Andrew from the hood, this fan base hasn't had much to cheer about recently. Let's plan the parade. Why not? Let's be optimistic. But in terms of Patterson, he's getting a lot of love on the text inbox as well. You know, like <laughs> why would he score a hat trick? Why would hat trick? And and, and you're, you're you're you win the moments uh, tonight because again, all the key moments, I would say the Canucks did win. Like they were better on special teams. They were better in the draw. Sixty-two um, percent. They end up being in the face-off circle. Yeah, and, Overwhelming night. And you know, and having a foundation of certain things helps you out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you got that. And you know, the coach did mention that one thing he did like was the structure on the PK. He was happy about that. Not with their overall play at five on five, but you still have to win certain elements of the four game. Four for four, and they did right. Uh, Samson and Mount Pleasant. How about PD saying, uh, giving love to the fans, saying it's fun to play here again. Love to hear that, <laughs> Samson from uh, in Mount Pleasant. Yeah, so a lot of love for for uh, for Elias Patterson. Devin uh, Kamloops says, "I missed the third. Uh, had to ref hockey. Look at that, a ref texting in. Good job on." Your part, Dev. Uh, it's glad to see the boys get greedy tonight, take another two points from a conference uh, matchup after a pretty choppy first period. And Petey for Hart. Well, those uh, those claims are not going to be going away. I imagine it's going to be a steady drumbeat from a lot of fans over the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, I'm going to be second in scoring right now. No, it's, it's, he's off to an incredible start. And um, y- y- in terms of the, the start the Canucks are getting off to, they're 6-2-1 now on the season. Tomorrow's their 10th game of the year. I mean, not tomorrow, Thursday, against the San Jose Sharks. It's a real great opportunity here for this team to come away with, what, 15 out of a possible 20 points? To get 75% of the points in the first 10 games? And again, like that's not sustainable because you're not going to have 100 and what, whatever points that puts you on pace for. Um, you know, 130 or whatever that is. But 
it shows you that they're certainly putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be out of it by the 20-game mark. There's still a lot more work to do, but when you give yourself that type of head start, it really puts you in an advantageous situation. Yeah, I, I, you know, the point that I really liked that you were talking about the other day is we, we, we always cite American Thanksgiving being four points yeah. out. What does it mean when you're X amount of points in? Why try to meet the minimum bare threshold? Does this be four, 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 six points above the bar? Yeah. Boy, it's a world of difference when you're in that spot. And right now, like again, that's why it's awesome that they got the two points tonight. Despite the performance that even Rick Tocker wasn't through to about, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't it's, enthused by how they played at, at the start of the season. At the end of the season, I'm very much just banked the points, man. By any means necessary. The middle bit is when you get into the grind. Is when it should be interesting to say, okay, now we got to figure out like who we are, what we are. We we have our cushion, and we'll wait to the race to the end starts after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But right now, you just got to get points. And you're you're sitting here eight points up on the Oilers, eight points up on the Flames. It's going to take them weeks to make up that gap if they make up that gap. You put people in, now. Edmonton has you know so much horsepower with McDavid and Drysaddle, and at some point they're going to get hot, right? You would imagine. Calgary, I mean, I mean, it might sound like a hot take, but ten game, nine games in, like I don't, I don't think we're going to see Calgary catch Vancouver. You know, because of how things are going there. They look like the version that people thought the Canucks would be. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Where, you know, a night like tonight, like Calgary probably loses this game because they don't have the star power. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think you see that. And they're playing, paying guys star-level money that are not that right now. Mm-hmm. Huberto being the chief among them, paying him $10.5 million per year, and he's really struggling. But, yeah, I mean, the Canucks right now are, are six back of – I mean, that's the Golden Knights haven't lost a game of regulation yet this year. They're nine zero and one. I mean, it's like for for all the talk about you know Calgary's not catching Vancouver. Vancouver's mm-hmm. not even sniffing Vegas. I mean, yeah, the Canucks have a game in hand, game in hand right? So it'll I mean, still be four back. Still four back. Um, but, but I mean, as of tonight, they go to sleep. Seventh best record in the league, uh, points percentage. Yeah, and, and we'll look into. We'll see how good a start this is in relation to Canucks history because they, they haven't had a start like this in how long now. Uh, oh, oh, I'm struggling here with uh, my 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 stat pages. So I, I apologize in advance if I don't have this uh, for everyone. It's a rough one for the laptop. <laughs> the laptop's not working. All right, uh, we'll get to more of uh, your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty, and we'll get to some more research in terms of uh, where the Canucks are as far as their records to start the season and where that relates to what they've done in some past years. But we mentioned Elias Patterson and what else he had to say. And he did meet with media post game uh, to talk about what he saw tonight from his team. Uh, and here he is talking about the five, two win. Uh, very happy. Another win for us. Uh, obviously happy with the hat trick. Uh, I'm happy. I got the easy third one. How important was the power play goal late in the second to reestablish? The- uh, it was good. I think we, uh, we started good, got, got a one nothing league, and I think we let up and then gave and invited them to the game. Um, but then got two two goals in the second, and after that, in the third, I think we played good. Did you know that this was the first time you scored a hat trick in this building? Yep. How'd it feel? Great. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you surprised by that? I mean, I had to 
Um, I mean, obviously, I would want wanted to have uh, have it earlier. Uh, I've had my chances, um, but yeah, I don't know. Meant to be today. With um, your team's game tonight, it, it felt a little scrambly. Maybe, maybe not your most controlled game relative to some of the wins you've had, including over this team. Uh, I agree. I think we um, we gave we let him into the game. Uh, I mean, they're a good team too, but we. Uh, we wasn't playing the way we used to do, and uh, second pairing was a little scrambly. First as well, and then third, I think we did our best one. So um, we're happy. Look at the things we can do better, and yeah, move forward. Do you take anything from winning a game in which maybe you don't have your fastball as a team, or is it one of those things where you have to be on guard, given how well you're rolling against getting too loose? Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, it's good to get. I don't know. Def- different kinds of wins uh, and wins when we haven't played our best usually or maybe previous year we haven't won these games uh, but now we get good goaltending I think we're defending ourselves better but yeah definitely a little off game today you mentioned that like previous years you might not have won these games so instead of losing by three you win by three is that the structure like what's the difference that allows you to win a game even when you're not at um, I mean it's I think it's it's definitely starts from coaching staff setting up a plan for us how they want us to defend etc um, but then it's up to us to to contribute and, and play hard out there uh, I think today was a little scrambly but uh, we managed to uh, Demko managed to get important saves when uh, we had some breakdowns How important Marcus when he's been out here with Nasland have you met Marcus? Uh, haven't met him here. I met him uh, back home when I was playing a baseball tournament years back, but haven't met him here yet. First Canucks since him to score a hat trick against the Predators. Oh, that's cool. Must be a Swedish <laughs> thing. It must be. When you talk about things that are allowing you guys to have success this year, you know the structure has been a big talking point. How important is confidence and mentality and the way you guys are feeling in that, though? Uh, I think confidence is everything. Uh, even if you don't have your best game, you can... Lay back to defensive structure and confidence, defending ourselves good. Um, so I think that's what's won us the game today. Lots of changes on the Preds this year. How much did it help seeing them last week and sort of being able to build a bit of a book on them? Uh, yeah, we played them uh, not too long ago. Uh, was a uh, great win then too. So uh, yeah, happy with our efforts today and the win. PD for the last few years got to have a good start, we got to have a good start, and we know what happened, now you've done it, right, 6-1 to one to open the air, are you having fun, and what does it mean? Uh, we're definitely having more fun, it's uh, more fun being this side of, or over 500, so um, it's good, uh, everyone's happy, but we uh, can't be satisfied, we got to continue, uh, and uh, yeah, be humble about it. Tell us what's going through your mind on the empty net opportunity after. Uh, I mean, I was just making sure I wasn't missing another open net. So, <laughs> so against Nashville as well. Yeah, a little redemption there. So, yeah, I was just making sure I wasn't missing that. That is Elias Pettersson uh, after the Canucks win five uh, two over the Nashville Predators and. Uh, when it comes to even his own evaluation, I think it's clear the guys know that they can be a lot better than what they've shown so far. But just the, the level of confidence that he's playing with right now, even when he's not at his best, it's just he just needs a little bit of a moment, a little bit of an opening, and he's going to make you pay. And, and that's the difference when you have star caliber players like this. And even some of the goals that kind of work their way through Lankanen, 
Um, the power play shot was 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 nice to, to kind of use Besser as the screen and, and pick that spot. But the, the first goal, you know, kind of goes through Lankin. And, and to me, that was the guy uh, who kind of just gets his reward. And, and this is the version of PD you want to see more often. It's the the reason you can people want you to be more selfish is because you have a heavy shot and it's going to go through goalies, especially especially when they're backups. Um, you can find goals that you, you sometimes don't think are going to be there. Just yeah. be more confident to shoot more often. Absolutely. Now, uh, we'll get to some more reaction post game coming up. There was no JT Miller tonight. He was asked for, but he was not made available. But he is on Halford and Bruff tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. So we'll see what he has to say about the game tonight and what happened. And we'll talk to Ian McIntyre about that as well. Canucks win 5-2 over the National Predators. We'll talk to also about how good this start is in relation to other ones. Coming up on the other side, on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Besser across the Nashville line. Cuts to the left point and drops it to Hughes. Now to Susie off the bench, right side. Rink wide to Besser, left circle. Passes back to Hughes to the point. Chased down by Parson. Again to Besser, left circle, shoots and hit Miller in front. It's Susie scores! JT Miller accidentally blocked the initial shot from Besser, but he shovels it home on the second chance. And the Canucks make it 4-2. to two. I love Millsy. I mean, he's been he's played unreal hockey for me. Um, I felt at the time for he needed to sit for four minutes. It could have been JT. It could have been anybody. And um, you know, accountability. And uh, he responds with a goal. And I think he, you know, he's fine. It could have been anybody. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a five-two win over the National Predators here on the Canucks Central post-game show and. I think that's the interesting part that he mentions it could have been anybody. And when you do that to one of the leaders of the team, I think it does send a message to the rest of the group that it could be anybody. Could have been us. Could have been, I mean, who knows? It could have been us. It's worried. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, and I, and I know um, we all would like to hear from JT tonight because mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially when that happens, that's when you kind of want to see the guy, you know, speak to the media afterwards as well and be like, all right, this is what happened. Now he is going to be on Halford Abruff tomorrow, but I do know it's one of those things that a lot of people are wondering how, what JT had to say, and we're going to have to wait until tomorrow for that. The suspense. <laughs> tomorrow morning. Halford Abruff. Halford Abruff, 7.30 a.m. Got to make sure to listen to them. Um, and, you know, the other thing about just just overall, just the way Rick Tockett has been dealing with everybody on the team. You heard people been texting about um, what he said about Tyler Myers, how Myers texted him after a game last year and apologized for how he played. He's gone on walks with him and everything. I, I think those are the types of things that you want to see from a coach is investing in the players, investing in wanting to make them better. And I think that's a real positive. Um, this text here uh, says... Um, Dave from Regina, I feel Coach Talkin has this group grounded. Best team since 2011. Um, that's one text that came in. I think the grounded part is something that he's trying to 
impart on the team because he mm-hmm. was big even before the game he mentioned you know we can't get fat and happy and he said that tonight don't get fat and happy around here winning is great but as a team uh we have a certain way we have to play and we did not do that tonight yeah and and that staying grounded is is so important because you know the, the big talking point from today was how do you manage uh prosperity when things are going well and we've mentioned this too of okay You've got to be resilient, but you also have to maintain focus. And and you can't just say, hey, we did it. Three-game winning streak. We're good because teams are waiting to punch you in the face. And you've got to rebound. And and you've got to know how to deal with um, handling success. We all think success comes easy. When you're thrust into the limelight, especially in the limelight in this city, there's going to be a lot of distractions. And I don't mean that poorly. I, you know, fans are going to be paying more attention. Everything's just a bit more scrutinized, and and you get to reach rock star status. But now you you still got to focus on what's important. Yeah. And a, a night like tonight to me does show elements that they were able to stay grounded. Right? You had in game adversity. JT's out for a couple of minutes and okay, is this guy coming back? What's happening? But you, you stay focused on what you can. Pedersen bookmarks that period with goals at the start and yeah. at the end. And that to me was a big sign that they're they're focused on the task at hand. Yeah, and I think that's the like a big part of that maturity is staying in the moment. Right and being able to just be focused on what you have to do, and tonight you deviated from that, and I think that's one of the reasons why the coach wasn't too and, enamored with it. And and staying focused on what you have to do it doesn't always have to mean like Camelias Pedersen. I got to go deke through four guys and do these highlight reel stuff. Hey man, sometimes it's just skating across the blue line, finding your space, and, and shooting it. The big thing is tonight they got they got the two points and. It, it was a, a pragmatic way of doing it. It's like we still yeah. have to finish the job, and and they did the job. They did. They took care of business, right? I mean, that certainly happened. Uh, this text says, "What I took away from the talk at post game press conference: Talk and Myers both uh, like taking long walks on the beach." <laughs> certainly seems that way. Uh, Ricky says, "Brocktober was uh, was real. He played great again tonight." You know what? I honestly think he was, again, like like we're saying with forward? Susie, I think Brock was the best forward tonight. I, I know Pedersen gets the hat trick. But Brock is only going to get one point tonight for the assist on JT Miller's goal. I think he deserved two others, two other assists. Uh, for me, he makes the play on the first goal. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's trying to clear that one out, and Brock's there in the neutral zone, pick that off, and in deep it goes. Phil DiGiuseppe's pressing, and it forces the turnover uh, from Lankinen, and, and Hughes and, and Bovillier connect, and Lafferty's there for the goal. You go to the first Pedersen goal. The uh, sorry, the, the sorry, the second Pedersen goal, the power play goal. That puck is going to go out because Ryan McDonough is in the corner. Yeah, and he's got a chance to clear it on a strong hand. And Brock does a great job getting the hand on the shoulder and just pins him to the glass. And he can't do anything. He's, he just meekly pushes the puck, and Pedersen's there to clean it up. That play swings around, and Brock doesn't get a point on that. He's also in front of the net, yeah. As well, great as screen too on that play, and and it's those two plays. I look at and say, like those don't happen without Brock Besser, yeah. Being able to to snag that puck, get it back in deep, start the whole cycle with Hughes and Rona coming out, and they can pin teams deep because they're not afraid to to drop off that blue line. And then the the, the power play goal to me was was a lot of his work. Pedersen gets credit for the the snipe, but I, I thought Brock. Susie, the term we use was steady. Yeah. 
Brock to me was the most steady player tonight as, as far as the forwards. Yeah, I agree. And the coach did mention ahead of the game too how he's been trusting him in late situations, and that's given him confidence. He he thinks there's another level he can go to, and this is the type of player you want to see from Brock Besser. We've seen at times from Besser, and it's such a boost to this organization when he's playing at his top or near his top, and we're seeing a lot of that to start this campaign. Um, we mentioned the start to the season. The Canucks are now 6-2-1. and one. They have... 13 points to begin the season and we talked about how if you can at least be at 11, 13 points or so after the first 10 games of the season, you give yourself a chance to be alive and be in the thick of things. Well now Bick, they have a massive chance here to have 15 points through the first 10 games of the season and we've seen a lot of bad starts and not just bad starts over the recent years. I mean this is the best start we've seen since what, 05, 06 but in terms of history too like what what are some good starts in the past through the first 10 games, and how are the Canucks faring compared to those? So let's say they win on Thursday. Okay, let's just, okay. this is not saying we think they're going to win. It's more about let's just assume and give them 15 points after 10 games. Just That's to make all. everything fair, and they right. have 10 games, 10 10 games for everyone, right. right? Comparing all the seasons, if they win on Thursday, this would be the third highest start. Two seasons. The so third best start. Third best start because it would be a 750 points percentage. Yeah, so it's been th- this organization it's, is on its 54th year now. Yeah, it's it's 2005, as you mentioned. Yeah. In a year they finished uh, 42, 32, and 8. They just missed the playoffs. That's the year they started 8, 1, and 1. And then towards the end of the year, everything fell apart. I mean, everyone got hurt. Jovanovsky got mm-hmm. hurt. I think Salo was hurt. Olin was hurt. The Canucks traded for Keith Carney, Eric Reinrich, Weinrich, Sean yeah. Brown, Mika Noronen, and it all fell apart. Traded away all the second round picks. And they still missed the playoffs. Was that the uh, patient zero of trading second round? Yeah, I think picks? it was. Oh five, oh six. And hey, in that off season, the Canucks went out and got Luongo, mm-hmm. um, and and everything kind of changed. But yeah, that that good start unfortunately did not end well. Eight one and one. Yeah. Nineteen ninety one was also eight one and one. That's a playoff. But that game. was uh, with a tie, not an OTL. Right. Because that would have been nineteen ninety one. But nevertheless, seventeen points and very good start. Ten games. The next one is 14 points. That's in 2014. They did it in 2014, 2013 with 14 points in 10 games. So you went on Thursday, it's 15 points in 10 games. So 2013, 2014, they made the playoffs, I think, 2014, 2015? Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah. So one of those good starts led to a playoff appearance. The previous good start led to, uh, I think it was the, that was actually the torts year, wasn't it? They got off to a good start that year, and I think things fell apart in the second half of the season for that team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, hang on, I might have screwed this up. But uh, uh, the 2012-2013 season, sorry. Uh, okay. The shortened year. The, the shortened, shortened year. year. All right. That's the one I'm talking about. All right. 2012-2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, if the Canucks win tomorrow... It's one of the best starts in Canucks in franchise mm. history. So you can't take any of that any of that away, and it puts you in a position where all of a sudden you have a chance, you have a real chance to be in the playoff race the rest of the season. Exciting, exciting. Well, and, and you know what? That's why I think even the <laughs> game, you know even if they lose, okay, if if if, if you want to do the other side of the equation here and just say right, let's just say yeah, the let's Sharks just say, get their first win of the season. <laughs> Of course, it would be games Vancouver. <laughs> uh, it would still be like tied for the tenth best, tenth best. So it's still, it's still, it, you know, a good points percentage. 
Six fifty. Six fifty. Hey, there you go. You can see, you keep that going all year. There'll be good things. So the San Jose Sharks are zero eight and one on the season. They have nine goals and they've allowed thirty five. Minus twenty six goal differential. That's the game they have coming up on Thursday. You know, you know like. Take care of business. Mm-hmm. You know, like you won this game. Now take care of business. You, and through your first ten games, you come away with fifteen points. Like, I think th- even if even if we can sit here and critique this game and say hey, there are things you have to do a lot better, you can't complain about the amount of points you start banking. And in terms of getting that buy-in, and in terms of getting you know creating good vibes, I mean, Pedersen's talking about it's fun to play here now in front of the fans and all that. Like, you can't. By the way, did you notice his uh, answers were a lot different in the uh, post-game scrum when he's had a chance to cool off and be like, "Oh right, I'm Leas Pedersen again. You, you I'm can't, not number you can't, 40. you can't put a you can't put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> it's out. You can't you can't do it. Okay, Beck. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they're, they're a tangible. Like w- when a team comes together, and is that because he scored three times, so he rubbed the lamp three times? <laughs> yeah, That's what pretty much. It's more about can they get hot? Yeah. And, I, and honestly, like I'm at a point where it's just like, can you get on a run? I don't care if it's a lot of luck driven, but mm-hmm. can you put yourself in a position and as, see, as the season goes on, can you improve your game enough and can you actually be a playoff team for once? And when you get off the starts like this, it gives you a real good chance. I mean. It's the inverse of everything we talked about the last few years when it's like, listen, guys, they maybe played well tonight, but they've lost seven in a row. And if they don't start winning games, it's over, right? Like, I, I, like, it doesn't matter. And it's kind of the inverse where it's like, yeah, I mean, some games they probably, you know, maybe maybe this game they shouldn't have won, but they did anyways, and they have better talent. And you know what? Actually, you know what? I rephrase that. I don't think Nashville is talented enough to say they should have won this game. Like, I don't think they have enough talent to sit here and say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we should have won this game, even though, you know, they were better five-on-five five than Vancouver was. But against other teams, it might be a different result. But nonetheless, you collect points in the first 10 games of the season. You give yourself a real chance. And instead, in previous years, it's been the Canucks playing themselves out of the season in the first 10 games. You know, one thing, that, too, that the, the, the two Nashville games really kind of earmarked is we came into the first one saying, hey, it's a big game. Yeah. Not just because of starts, like, hey, potential wildcard team. Tonight, it's like, okay, it's another big game. I, if you start looking at the schedule, what's the next like big game you look at? They're all important. Bank these points, of course. But I look at Edmonton. It's like, hey, that's a big game. November six. Yeah, and then I don't really see another like quote unquote big game until like Calgary. I guess the, the the Horvat return one is a quote unquote big game. But as far as standings go, that's just more an emotional big yeah. game. Um, you know, the, the, there's a couple of Seattle games, but Colorado's in there till late November. They, they, they've eased the pressure a bit, just to say like, hey, these don't have to be all big games in November, save our big games for April. Yeah, 100%. And if you can be in a spot where you're winning those big games early, again, it puts you in an advantageous position. All right, uh, we'll get to some of your thoughts, but it's time now to bring in the man we call the closer, but really the triple threat. You hear him on radio, you watch him on TV, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. Is that, that I have two nicknames, and that doesn't even include iMac, which is really just a stage name. <laughs> it is, but you have two great monikers. Yeah, my soccer friends just call me Mac. Yeah, a couple of, couple of people at journalism school called me Scotty because they thought I was Scottish. Oh, okay. I don't know why they'd think that. No, I mean, Ian no. spelled with two eyes. Yeah, and no, reason. no reason why. I like how they thought you were Scottish. <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a middle name of Angus. Angus. 
<laughs> Did they know about your middle name too? No, no. Right. What was your that position was, on Because people mis people mispronounce it in this country. They say Angus, like Ang Lee, you know, the director. Oh, yeah. They say Angus. It's not Angus, it's Angus. 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 A-N-G-U-S. A-N-G-U-S. Angus. Hyphen? Well, it's not hyphen. Oh, that's how no, you're I'm just saying I phonetically. You, yes. I'm trying to dumb it down for you, Bick. <laughs> yeah, I screwed up there. I screwed up there. <laughs> what position was I play them all. Okay. <laughs> I've gradually, as this, you know, happens, I've gradually move my way backwards on the pitch sure. over time. Yeah. So when you get to the over 50s like my team, we have 18 defenders and two forwards. So <laughs> <laughs> We're hard to score against. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good, good structure. Good yeah. structure. Good we, have good, we have good structure. And I, you know, I can assure you, as the Canucks showed tonight, you can win a game when you're really bad. Yeah, you can. <laughs> when you have talented players, they, they can overcome. Really bad. They weren't really bad, but they were, they were not good tonight, the well, Canucks. And, you know, we talked about that during the game. Um, mm -hmm. They were, uh, they the were sloppy. This was... Were you guys on TV? Yeah, we <laughs> were. Did you watch? One of those nights. Did you PVR us? <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch you on Sportsnet. We'll watch it later. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, we were talking about that. I mean, it, it was funny because we were we started the game off talking about yeah, great that they won the game, but you know, not a clean performance. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of fans, and, and I think this speaks to the enthusiasm because the team is now six two and one. There was a pushback about why you guys being negative about like, and it, it wasn't that we were being negative, but, but but I think the good thing about that is it shows that there's excitement about the team again that fans are like hey they won like this is great they're winning hockey games like what, what's there to be upset about because before they, they lose every game to start the season so I totally understand but it's more about how much they've raised the bar too because last year this would have been a good game by their standards right they got good goaltending special teams was okay hey when Boudreaux was here at least like hey at least they you know had a chance to win this game and they weren't being completely outplayed at all times but under this coach and where they're trying to go the bar is trying to be raised to where it's been. And I think based on that and what we heard the coach himself say, it wasn't the type of game that they are going to be very happy about outside of getting the two points. Yeah, he said it wasn't their identity. And, you know, I, I don't think this would have been a good game last year. I think what would have happened last year had they played this way, they would have lost by three Fair. instead of winning by three. But they just have, you know... A lot of things going for them now that they didn't have a year ago. And especially early in the year, you look at how Thatcher Demko's playing now versus how he played last October, November. You look at the defensive structure that the team has now. And even though they were terrible with the puck, they weren't engaged physically like we'd seen them in the recent games, especially the two on the weekend against St. Louis and New York. It's not like, okay, they, give, they did give up the three-on-one, which turned into a breakaway and a penalty shot, but they weren't giving up these five-star yeah. backdoor, post-to-post -post, you know, chances. It, there wasn't you know, a pile of two-on-ones and breakaways. It, it was just kind of this overall sloppiness mm -hmm. with the puck and in their execution that, that you know, made it hard for them to get out of their, out of their zone at times. It made it easier for for the Predators to get some shots on net. But again, not these not these grade-A chances that, that we saw last year. So, you know, in a way, and, and then Pedersen ends up with a hat trick when he could barely make a pass early on. And he wasn't alone in that, but yeah. he was poor in the first period. Um, and that line was especially bad in the first period. 
but you know th- this is progress this is like to me the people and you know i we've watched a lot of losses we've sat in this yes. in this little room yes. with this little heater <laughs> that was the the sole source of light figuratively some nights is yeah. that heater um so listen everybody should feel uh, who are fans of the Canucks they should feel good about the team getting out of October 6-2 and 1 like yeah. who would have who would have thought that but you know for where they want to go this kind of game wasn't good enough and uh, and I I'm glad that Talkett and the players basically said that this isn't to our identity you know Talkett the one of the things he said that I loved was um it's nice to have these lessons when you win. It, if you right. lose these games, it's a it's a much bigger lesson, um, which I I think is you know every coach in the world understands that it it's sometimes easier to correct when at least you have still a positive vibe and you're not trying to correct things out of desperation or or panic. Uh, and I don't think that would be the case, even had they lost this game, because they would still be five, five, three, and one. But it's just easier uh, to teach sometimes. Not always. Sometimes you need to lose, but it, it's it's easier when things are positive and guys are feeling good about the team and where they are. Even if they, you need them to understand that their own play wasn't good enough and the individual mistakes. You need to get them to acknowledge those but i think accountability has been pretty good with this group like people can say what they like about jt they're not in the room they don't know what the dynamics are with that team they've been pretty good uh, and especially the top players on this team the the fab four have been very good at accepting responsibility and accountability and i'm sure tonight i wish he had talked to the media yeah. i think that would have been better but uh, i'm sure there's no issues with jt miller's accountability and understanding that he can't take three minors in a game really under any circumstances and he certainly can't take uh, two of them out of frustration yeah well he's gonna be on halford and bruff tomorrow so we'll mention that uh, as well uh tomorrow morning 7 30 so so uh, they're getting the scoop they're getting the scoop uh, but I actually I did, I did want to spend some time on him just because the, the while official line was treatment, right? Just to wrap it up, that he didn't meet with the media was that what the official line? Yeah, I I did not stay beyond Rick Talkett's press scrum, but I was I was told by other reporters when they arrived in great disappointment back in the press box that yeah. he did not speak. But yes, and and as far as treatment, I can say that that. Miller has been fighting something because when I was on the road uh, covering the team uh, last week, and I guess the week before, it was a long road trip. Um, it, when I did speak to him after the game, he wanted to speak right away because he needed to go get treatment. So he is dealing with something. But, you know, just because you're getting treatment doesn't mean that you can't right. before or after talk to the media. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say, though, is. Uh to me on a night like this. So, so Halford and Bruff got the scoop. <laughs> How did they, like, did they have them booked in? Before? They had them booked yeah. in ahead of time. It was ahead of time. Was it wasn't like, it's not happened. They're like, lucky. Uh, I was gonna say. You know what you should do, JT, is take a couple of penalties tonight and just yeah. really escalate the, <laughs> the scoopage for tomorrow. Uh, um, oh, well. Good, great, great for them, great for our, yes. our station. 
maybe I should just listen and not have to go to practice tomorrow. There you go. There you go. Right. And then you don't have to hear from him there. But for me, the whole thing comes comes down to it's like it's kind of a nothing burger for me because it's a couple of minutes. You sit down, yeah. you win, and and Rick Tockett was very transparent about it. It's like, hey, we love the guy, and like this is what it's supposed to look like the the, the real time accountability. Yeah, I, I was just thinking like, and, and I wrote about it, but I didn't write solely about it. But I wrote about it because tonight this is the story. But yeah. the measure of our market will be how many days does this now remain a story? Oh yeah. Because a guy missed two shifts. Yeah. Right. And and we know why. It, because it's JT Miller. I mean, Brock got benched at times last year. Connor Garland. Yeah. You know, other guys have been benched. I don't remember Pedersen or Hughes. Really no, I don't think so. They? No. This I mean, is Demko se- lost starts, which is the equivalent of a goalie getting benched, right? right? He didn't play. He lost a couple of starts to Spencer Martin. Right. Early last year. But be, I think it's because it's J.T. Miller, and he's such—he's such a uh, divisive figure, or has been. He shouldn't be now, I don't think. Other than you know, the people who who don't think it's a prudent contract that, that they've signed him to, but he, he's you know played his ass off this for eight games. I, you know, I said on TV Vic, <laughs> that I think he's been their best player, and that's and that's saying something when you look at. Yes, Pedersen. Well, best player before tonight. Yeah, I'd Pe- say that, Pedersen yes. with the hat trick and now second in scoring. Maybe he wins it uh, in a split decision. But uh, I, JT Miller has been going head to head against the other team's best players with uh, Phil DiGiuseppe and Brock Besser as line mates. Really, you know, mm-hmm. good guys. Um, but neither one has ever been mentioned in the same breath as the Selkie Trophy. Yeah. And they have been shutting down the opposition pretty regularly. JT, I know it's not a uh, it's a highly imperfect stat, but I think he's plus eight in his nine games while going against the best players in the league. And he has 13 points. The, the same number of goals that Pedersen has with five. He's got three fewer points. So he's had, he's been tremendous. And on top of all that, two minor penalties Mm-hmm. before the three he got tonight. So, you know, is anyone ever 100% reformed? I mean, I've got issues in my background. I don't know that I'm ever 100% right. over them, but he's been pretty pretty darn good uh, since Rick Tockett took over and just exceptional this season. So, you know, I, I honestly was a little surprised that, he even got benched for the two shifts. But yeah. I think, you know, as, as Tockett said after the game, that that's not only about JP. That's that's a really good teachable moment. And, yeah, the lesson, JT is the focal point. But everyone, believe me, everyone on the team notices yeah. when something like that happens. And, well, he had also been talking to Coach about being more disciplined. He wasn't happy with their lack of discipline in previous games, taking early penalties, taking bad penalties, and they really can't put themselves in that position. So when he's been harping on that, but it keeps happening, and then it happened, I think he felt he had no choice but to at least send, send some sort of a message. And I, and I do agree that it's the right thing to do, and especially when the player receives it the right way. Which yeah. clearly is what happened. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll see. What well, at, t- at least for the game I mean, today, yes, right? Yes, and and even when he was sitting out, I was watching him. Remember, there was a game last year. He actually went to the mm-hmm. dressing room early. Yeah, because he gave himself a timeout, and I actually respected it. But of course, people piled on as well. How can you leave the bet? Well, I think it was like fifteen seconds or something. But he 
he said he realized he said then he realizes that he needs to get to a point when he's that angry he can just sit on the bench and not have right. anything happen i don't think it was really an option for him to leave the bench when yes. you're bench that Six that's minutes. a challenging look yes. to come back from but during that time he sat at the end of the bench he was opening and closing the gate working the door he, he yeah. was you know patting guys on the pads sometimes when they when they came off like he was clearly trying to be as positive as he could even in in that situation and you know great for him he comes out has a solid third period gets to score a goal well, and as far as what's being asked of him this season, no player on the team, defenseman even, has more defensive zone starts than him this year. He has 45 defensive zone starts. Ian Cole is second at 43. And uh, the top four, three are defensemen. Usually the center is not the player. That I think part of it is Teddy Bluger hasn't been here to take a lot of those starts as well. But it just shows you, to your point, he's a plus eight, and he's, he has a big load that he's carrying for this team. Yeah, and And tonight, if you think about it, this was kind of like the perfect storm for JT Miller to fall off the wagon, too. The team wasn't good. The team wasn't sharp. Uh, he was making mistakes, as were his teammates. He got, because we were sitting beside each other in the press box, because, yeah. you know, we like TV people hang out. <laughs> and, yes. and uh, you know, we, we noticed early in the game he got a high stick or the puck or something came up and hit him in the yeah. face and you know he was pissed off the the penalty it it i'm not an advocate of hooking and embellishment on the same play but clearly a forsberg chicken wing this yes and so it wasn't a great call the unsportsmanlike call was even worse because as an official if you've made an iffy call just pretend you didn't hear the guy yeah. Just look the, don't make eye just look the other way, go to the penalty box and call the penalty. Don't double down on a marginal call and give them another one for complaining about it. And then there's no excuse for for the penalty on, on Yossi where you know, he got frustrated because yeah. Yossi knocked him down. He'd already been having a hard night and a painful night, literally in, in a couple of cases, and he sort of turned around and got careless with his stick. I don't think he meant to high stick him, but he definitely yeah. turned around and sort of gave him a swipe, and his hands came up. And you know, you can't you can't do that. That's a that's a penalty you can't you can't live with. So, um, you know, I don't blame Tockett for for wanting to make an example. I just thought that through eight games that JT had put enough credit in his account that maybe he could get away with one game Mm -hmm. like tonight. I thought maybe that. I I also, I'm not in the least critical of of Tockett for doing what he did because you do have to hold guys accountable. And as I just said, it was a very teachable moment, right? You're at at that point, you're leading the game Mm -hmm. and the whole team has not been very good. The one of your Fab Four has taken a stupid penalty. It's it's was a great time to try to get everybody's attention and say, hey, like this isn't good enough. Not just JT, mm-hmm. and again, the lesson goes beyond him. So it's it's interesting. We'll see if we're still talking about this on Thursday. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but Ian. Great stuff as always here on the post game show. I can't wait to read your latest on Sportsnet.ca. An eventful five two victory for the Vancouver Canucks, and they go and face the lowly San Jose Sharks, who are zero eight and one on the season on Thursday. And the Canucks have a chance to have, like we came up with, Bick looked the numbers up. 
This could be the third best start in Canucks history if they win in San Jose on what Thursday. Was the, what were the other two, Vic? If you weren't on TV, you would be able to look them up. <laughs> uh, 20, uh, sorry, uh, 2005 and 1991. Yeah, 91 was the yeah. year that Burray arrived, but Burray arrived after yes. they had had the Torrid start. Now, what was the other year? Sorry, 2005 and 1991. Yeah. 2005 was the first year out of the lockout. They got off to a great start, but then remember then all they, the injuries hit? Yeah, and they fell apart. There was a There was some kind of Todd Bertuzzi. Oh, that was the Bertuzzi-Mark Crawford year-long feud. Yeah, it was, yeah. Which, and things just disintegrated. The yeah. team basically came apart uh, in the second half yeah, of the season. Yeah. And then they had... And Dave Nonis recognized that. And, and got rid of, yeah. Crawford was gone, and so was Todd Bertuzzi. He was, yeah. And uh, they made some big changes. That team, it was the year of... Because heading into that year, the Canucks were Stanley Cup picks by a lot of people because they, unlike a lot of teams, they were able to keep the whole team intact, except for Brent Sopel, I think, was the one guy they lost. We don't have to go down history too much, but yes, uh, that year ended in well, but oh, you know, 90-91 certainly did because the Canucks went on to make the playoffs that year, so hopefully good things ahead here for the Canucks. And playing Kyle Burroughs. And the San Jose Sharks. Yes, that is true. Not a homecoming, but to face a former Canuck and a local boy come up on Thursday. All right, great stuff from Ian. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Bick Nazar is back on People Show tomorrow. I'm Satyar Shaw. Thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory and Josh Elliott-Wolf right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.